Amen. It's great to uh, be back together again this Sunday. Uh, my wife and I, Tia, were away last uh, weekend. Um, we were actually in Turkey, which was an interesting experience. It, uh, we were there with um, we were there for a conference. It was the let me get this right. The Eurasian, Europe and Middle East Leadership Conference or whatever it is, something like that. The EEME conference. And it was great. It was really inspiring to be with uh, leaders, um, staff, non-staff, just, just people wanting to step up. Um, and just to be with around 350 people um, there. Let's see, I think I've got a photo. Oh, that's, so the conference title was Alpha and Omega, coming from the book of Revelation, because... Uh, we were in Izmir, and Izmir is the modern-day city of Smyrna, which is one of the the, uh, the cities in that one of the letters in the Book of Revelations too. And so that was the, the title of the thing. And those this photo is hard to capture those pillars in the way, but there was 350 people. And the last time they had this conference, I think, it was three years ago, and apparently there was only like 100. Wow. So it's great seeing that our family of churches are really trying to come together, strengthen one another, inspire one another to just do greater and greater things for each other, but for God first and foremost. Um, so that was really encouraging, and it was there were people from places like Jordan there, wow. where like people are being like hunted down for their faith. Wow. At one point, there was a, a lesson about uh, from some uh, uh, brother in, in Jordan, and he was gave a lesson on how to connect with people of other faiths, obviously. And, and people were taking photos, and they were like, "You guys have got to stop taking photos. They, these can't be posted. If they are." They, they, they'll hunt this guy down. And, and then they were sharing about, um, there was a, I don't know exactly how it happened, but there was a sister from Yemen, which Yemen is like going through some crazy civil unrest. And, and somehow she got, got connected with the church, I think in Jordan, became a Christian, went back, and, and the church in Yemen has grown from like 2 to like 39. Wow. And you think, oh my, like, in a place where, where people have even Christians from our family of churches have been literally being taken out and being beaten for their faith. And you're just hearing these stories and you're like, I don't have it that bad. It was, but it was really inspiring. Just, and, but I think as we were fellowshipping with different people, you, you see that they weren't like complaining about this stuff, but they were trying to inspire us of, hey, speak up. This isn't stopping us. Don't let it stop you. And So it was really inspiring. It was great. Um, got to... Uh, see the Flemings again as well. Um, they, they send their love. Um, they miss you guys like crazy. And uh, so it was great getting to see them. Also, we all know, you guys all know Andrew. Everyone knows Andrew. He's in Russia now and we got to meet his fiancée. He's engaged. She didn't understand where we said she doesn't speak English. But we're like, Andrew. And she's like, thank you. And, like, but, uh, and, then, um, and then we were able to... Uh, after take two days holidays afterwards and join the tour that went so this is sort of the the brothers from Jordan leading singing and stuff like that um, and Jordan and Lebanon and so then we actually got to go and see some ancient places we got to see Ephesus and that's the ancient library in Ephesus um, and then we got to go to this theatre in Ephesus which is the theatre from Acts 19 where the two brothers get brought before a crowd of, this fits about 20,000 people, and they're all yelling, you know, great is, is Artemis for two hours straight. They're riding, and, and, and Paul wants to go in, and the brothers are trying to hold him back, and, and it was inspiring to be in these places where people literally lost their, their, faith, lost their faith, lost their lives. Um, thankfully, in that occasion, they didn't, but it, uh, it was really great to just go back, in, and it, it brings things to life. Um, and so, with that, again, this is a, um, 
a, a really thing in the future, but they announced that they're trying to have uh, in 2023, so you guys have got so much time to hopefully plan for this, a, a, a Eurasian, Europe, Middle Eastern, like, discipleship summit. And, and so they don't know when or exactly where, probably in Izmir or, uh, or Istanbul, because just visa-wise, that's for all the different places, that's the easiest place to go. So that, that will be an awesome thing to be at. Especially, I know Orlando and stuff, that costs a lot, that's a long, but that would be something that would be really inspiring. So, again, that's a long way off, but just a little, just write that down, pin that in, in your things. Um, there was an email that went out about midweek being, uh, the date being changed. We don't have to change the date anymore. So, uh, for this coming Wednesday, sorry for all the backwards and forwards, we, we're able to meet here this Wednesday. Here in King Solomon School. Yeah. So this Wednesday we'll be uh, meeting as usual, 7.15, um, I think is the time, but 7.15, get here at 7.15, and, uh, and yeah, so we'll be here this Wednesday. So pass that on, an email will go out though. Um, amen. Maybe, who knows, who knows. Um, but uh, well, awesome, we're carrying on in the book of Luke, so if you want to um, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 20, um, and the title of the lesson is, is All for Jesus. Um, well, we'll be reading uh, quite a bit here, um, and so I really encourage you guys, write, write stuff down, go back and, and study it on your own. There's so much in here that we won't really be able to cover all in this time, but, uh, but I really encourage you, go back and really study this out in your own times with God. Um, so again, the title is uh, All for Jesus. Um, so again, Tosin last week, I wasn't here, but I had to listen to the sermon and did a great job talking about this idea of who, who's in charge, who's got the real authority, and, um, and, and that can sometimes be a scary thing, but that can also be kind of like a, a freeing thing that, man, gee, God's in charge, Jesus is in charge, it's, it's, I don't have to worry, I, I can let him be in control. Um, and, and obviously, uh, just pr- prior to where we'll pick up in verse 20, he, he's been continuing his, his like rampage through the Temple Mount and having all these different interactions and, and the, the teachers of the law, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders start to question him on his authority, obviously what Tosin talked about. Um, and, uh, and they try and undermine him and, and then he kind of, he answers their questions and, and then he kind of flips it on them and he tells them a parable to sort of really convict them and, and they, they're on their heels and, and so they kind of retreat and where we pick up, we see them, they're, they're sort of regaining and trying to think, okay, we've got to figure out a way to get this guy. We have to figure out a way and um, Jesus, he's, he's establishing himself as boss, as the one in charge, the one with ultimate authority. Well, we previously we've been attacking, kind of his, trying to attack weaknesses but there don't seem to be any, I wonder why, but... But how about, we, how about we attack maybe one of his strengths? This, this thing, he's talking about authority, why don't we try and attack that? Yeah. See if we can use that to be able to assassinate his character or assassinate him. And so we'll pick up, we'll pick up in verse 19, actually. Um, Luke chapter 20, verse 19. It says, The teachers... The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who, pretending to be sincere, they hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. 
So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Wow, that's awfully nice of them. Uh, In verse 22, Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They're unable to trap him in what he said there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees who saw who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, a bit of a hypothetical thing here. There were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless, and the second and then the third married her, and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? (laughs) Since the seven were married to her. Jesus replied, People of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. For to him him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. 41. Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord... Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes, love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and have the most important seats in the synagogue, places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers." These men will be punished most severely. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts in the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Amen. A lot going on here but it's a it's a great 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 passage um so again we come in and and this idea of, of the the religious leaders saying okay well, let's try and attack the thing that is his strength let's go after this idea of authority and they they get some of their spies uh to pretend to be sincere and that the verb word for pretend is basically the same word as hypocrite so they're just they're being hypocritical um, and in Matthew, it describes them as they were actually disciples of the religious Pharisees. So they weren't some random hype, but they were some of their disciples of the religious leaders. And so they get these guys and they say, they kind of butter up Jesus, don't they? In verse 21, right? I think I've got it here. 
So, yeah, so they sent spies who pretended to be sincere, verse 20, and then in verse 21, so the spies questioned, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. It's kind of like that, like, alarm bells should be going off. Like, warning, 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 do not listen to this. It's kind of that moment where if you're a parent and your child comes up and your child is just like, you know what, mum and dad? I've really been thinking about this. Something we don't do enough, I just feel like we're not spending quality time together. Uh, just building great family memories. Uh, you know, I, I just think having pictures of these memories to be able to look back on over the years, building this quality time. Why don't we do that at Alton Towers this weekend? <laughs> In fact, they take photos for us. We'll be able to get them, put them on our walls. And then the weekend after, why don't we make it a weekly thing? Let's go to the Wildlife Safari Park. It's that moment where you're like, that's great, you want to spend time with me, but... Is that the only motive here? And it's kind of like that, that the warning bells should be going off. What is the real driving force behind what these guys are saying? And, and after all their flattery, they say, is it right... That's Alton Towers there, if you didn't know what that was. Um, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, and this tax was, was a tribute tax, and it wasn't much. It really wasn't much, and so... The Jews weren't necessarily angry because I oh, give, give all our money to this tribute tax, but they were just so fiercely nationalistic and the idea of being under Roman rule that giving anything was just an outrage. And so the, the Jewish people, they wanted to hear, no, you do not have to give taxes. That's what they're expecting and that's what they're hoping for. And so the religious leaders think, well, we've, we've kind of given him way too many open-ended questions. He always manages to wiggle out and and slip and slide. We just need to give him a yes or no question because who knows where he'll go with it if we don't. And so they say, do we need to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Yes or no? There's no other answer, just yes or no. Answer the question. Kind of like a lawyer, like badgering the witness. Answer the question. And and you can always get a sense of like, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. And, And Jesus... Basically, just seeing their duplicity, says, show me, show me a denarius. And in Matthew, it describes a bit more what happened. They actually had to go and get a denarius. They would have pulled it out. And it's kind of like he's just flipped the tables. He's put it back on them. And he says, Who, whose inscription, whose image is on it? And, and the tension would have been building. As ever, or the crowds are there watching this interaction between Jesus. The disciples are there being like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? This is epic. And he says, Caesar? If it's, if it's Caesar's, give, give it back to Caesar then. But if it's God's, give, give back to God what is God's. Give the money to Caesar, give to God what is God's. And it's just like, boom baby, <laughs> got him. Again, just not able to trap him. They're left astonished. And it's just this... I just love reading, and and even the previous account, we saw that as well. Just seeing Jesus interact with these guys. It's so epic. The way he just never gets stumped. He's unstoppable. He's smooth. He's calm. He's collected. And he's he's always got the answer. Then in, in verse 27 to 40... The Sadducees step up and it's kind of like 
the other guys have gone off and like, oh, you're in, good, good luck. Like we've been, and the Sadducees come up, and the Sadducees were were known for being like anti supernatural. So they actually didn't believe that there was an afterlife. They didn't believe in in the spirits and all that sort of stuff. And so they come and say, well, okay, if if there really is this thing, and also, sorry, they also only really read the first five books of of the Old Testament, the Torah. and so they come forward and they pose this outlandish hypothetical situation of seven of a woman marrying someone, him dying, then she keeps marrying the different brothers so that they could give her a child again because if you're a widow back then, being a widow with no children, you were going to be in a, in a really tough situation. So it was to, the idea was to protect the widows. And so he says, and you know, one dies and then the next and then the next and, and all seven brothers die, no children, then she dies... And she goes to heaven and, and whose husband will she be? And it's just kind of like, really? Like, okay, it's kind of ridiculous. I'll answer your question. And he, he just responds with, and it's a, it's a confusing passage to be honest, and, but, but he responds with this idea of it, the, the life now and the life to come will be very different things. Again, it, it, it seems like he's saying, look, there'll be no marriage... Those sorts of relationships won't exist. I don't know exactly what that means. If that means we won't have any recognition of our marriage, I don't, I don't think so. But, but maybe. But, but I think he's just saying, to be honest, he goes, it's going to be so different. The needs that we need from each other, from relationships, from different meeting each other's needs, helping one another, there'll be no need for that. We'll have complete fulfillment in God. Complete fulfillment in God. God, all the jealousy and exclusion of whose wife is it and, and ownership of whose... Well, like, there'll be no place for that in heaven. We will be gods. And again, we don't completely understand it. That's okay, I think. That's completely, not completely understanding things. Really, the only thing that proves is that we just need to grow in our knowledge and maybe there are some things we'll never understand. And I think that's okay. That's okay. It, um, and then... In, in verse 37, as, as Jesus responds, he, um, again, he talks about that, but then he, he refers to Exodus 3. He says, well, actually, you know what? You guys read the first five books of Bible. I'll, I'll use what you guys read to prove a point. And he says, you know that time in, in, the, in, in the burning bush? And, and he says, you know, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and I kind of like this. It's kind of cool how he, obviously back then they didn't have like chapters and verses. And so, uh, you couldn't say, hey, turn to Exodus 3, kind of like, hey, you just did... That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Bro, I've got a great scripture. You know the place in the Bible where it talks about this and... It's, no, you need to memorize scripture. I'm just joking, but anyways. Didn't land well at all. Carrying on. It's, um... That was a joke about... Yeah, whatever. I just going to move on. It's, um... But, but he says, he says, God says... Moses says that he's the God of all these people who have passed on. He says, and and it's in present tense. The the Hebrew there is present tense. So he's saying he's still the God of these people. You you can't be God of someone who's who's dead and doesn't exist. That that these people are living on in the afterlife. He says, even Moses knows that. How do you guys not know that? Again, boom. And, And what do they say? Well said, teacher. <laughs> and, and no one wanted to ask any more questions. And this just brings me to my first point, which is just simply, 
Well, give it up for Jesus. Well, I mean, this, what we've read, what's to come in the next three chapters, like, like give it up for Jesus. He is epic. So unstoppable. And it's kind of like, the, if you guys watch sci-fi type movies, anyone, you guys know Star Trek, I'm assuming, and Star Wars and stuff like that. It's kind of like, if you've watched those, they're all, each episode, they're in like some sort of bind, right? And, and they're like, oh no, our, our ship's not working. And it's kind of like, well, just, hit, just jump to light speed. And they're like, no, that's not working either. They're like, well, hit the defibrillator thingy, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, that's not working either. And they're like, well, hit that. And they're like, it worked. Yeah. And it's just always this way out and it's kind of ridiculous. You're like, oh, this is just silly. Like, they'll always be fine. There's always just some other random word that they'll just make up and say that the ship has that. And, but but it's, it's kind of the same with Jesus in the sense of, not that it's lame, but it's how Jesus never gets stumped. He never gets trapped. He's, he's in this corner and it looks like there's no way out and he gets out. He is unstoppable. And, and again, why was this question about taxes so important? Well, if he says, no, you don't have to pay taxes. Well, if he says, yes, yeah, if he says, yes, you do have to pay taxes, the, basically the group would have kind of sort of lost respect for him. He would have been seen as a collaborator of Rome. And it probably would have caused a riot right then and there. So it's kind of, again, he's not doing things for people, but hey, I, I, my time's not yet. I, I, there's a little bit to go before I need to be crucified. And, but then if he says, no, you don't have to pay taxes, well, he's going in direct opposition to Rome's authority. And he'd be seen as a rebel and he would be killed. And so the Pharisees think, this is awesome. Win-win situation. Either he loses the respect of people, which that would be great, and then we can have a chance to kill him, or Rome will do the dirty work for us. They're kind of like, let's just sit back and watch it unfold. And it's, it's amazing just seeing Jesus the way he responds. And just that image of someone putting their hand in their pocket, pulling it out, and sort of having to respond to Jesus. Jesus is always in the driving seat. He is always in charge. Jesus was just so simply able to thwart them. It wasn't like he's like, hey, give me a little bit of time, let me think. No, he's boom, straight away. Jesus stating, I'm not about possessions, I'm about the kingdom of God. If that's Caesar's coin, give it to him, but give to God what is God's. And, and that last statement, give to God what is God's. That, that, would, be, that would be the moment... Oh, that was... I missed that one. We'll move on. That'd be the moment. It's kind of like a, like a mic drop moment. Yeah. As he says that, and the disciples are just like, Ding! Oh my goodness! Like, again! Like, that's our guy! Yeah. They, they can never stump him! That's our rabbi! We picked the right guy! Uh, even though it's been tough, we picked the right... Guy, what a beast. He's taken all these guys down. Almost that moment of like, man, my, my rabbi can beat your rabbi. <laughs> He's way better. The disciples probably would have gotten that, my rabbi can beat your rabbi, as a bumper sticker and put it on their donkeys as they travel around town to town. This is just like an epic moment. How amazing is Jesus? And the same is true for us. We follow such an amazing God. 
And, and this isn't in an arrogant sense, but our God could beat your God. And, and this isn't in an, a, a looking down on other people, but a looking up to God. Of the person we worship, God, His Son, Jesus. Oh my goodness. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. We picked the right guy. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and He will come back in triumph. People can ask me all sorts of tricky questions, and I'll probably get stumped at times, but I know someone who doesn't. Jesus. And I have confidence in Him, and His Word, and His Holy Spirit. Give it up for Jesus. And the crazy thing is, we haven't even come to the best part yet, have we? Three chapters later, it's going to get even better. And I just want to encourage us that that no matter how tough life gets, no matter what you're going through, we, we worship the King of Kings. Give it up for Jesus. No matter, Jesus always has a way out for you. You may not see it, it may just be such a dim light, but He does. If we hold on to Him, no heartache, no broken relationship, no, no issues, no marital issues, no, nothing. If we cling to Him, He will help us through those. No matter what the outcome of those things are, when we cling to Him, He will see us through. No matter how tough it gets, we are with Jesus. This is who we serve. Give it up for Jesus. And as we're filled with this excitement for Jesus, it it really should lead us to this idea of of not just staying there, but but that we, we give it up for Jesus. And so second and finally, we give... We give it up to Jesus. So give it up for Jesus, then we give it up to Jesus. In verse 25, Jesus says, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And that statement, to give back to God what is God's, is is this idea of, of we've been given something so amazing that there's almost, in a sense, like a debt because of what we've been given. And that, that, that we'll never be able to pay that debt, but what we are going to give back. And, and this isn't talking about the debt of sin um, in the sense that, that when, when you repented, got baptized, that was wiped away. That, that life of indulgence of sin that, that you lived, that I lived, that we lived, that, that, that was wiped away. That debt was gone, but, but then he's given us this new lease of life. That we to say, you know what? Because of what he did, because of what he's given me... I've got, to, I've got to give it up to Jesus. I need to give back to Him. I'll never be able to outserve Him. I'll never be able to outgive Him. Up. Why am I going to do this? Because of how amazing my Savior is. Oh, my goodness, who we serve. That the purpose of my life is, is to please God, not self, but God. My whole life should be God's. And in verse 41 to, to 44... Um, Jesus says to them in response to uh, to the group here he says Jesus said to them why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David David himself declares in the book of Psalms the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet David calls him Lord how then can he be his son so this is referring to Psalm 110 and, and it's David talking about a descendant of his who we all know that to be Jesus, obviously. And, and, and Jesus is saying, well, how, how can David talk about a descendant and call him Lord? Those of you with kids, you never refer to your kids as Lord, I don't think. And if you do, there's some, probably some big issues to deal with right there. 
But, but he's just saying, no, that doesn't happen. How, how can he be called Lord? Because he actually is Lord. That, that, that one of David's descendants, Jesus, is Lord. He is Lord. And it paints such an epic picture here, doesn't it? That the Lord said to my Lord, so God said to, and these are two different uh, Hebrew words, Adonai and, and Yahweh, but won't get into that. But he says, sit at, sit at my right hand and until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This picture of, of God saying to, to, to Jesus that there's this image of Jesus on the throne. Enemies as his footstool. We all know what a footstool It's just that sort of moment of like relaxation where you, at the end of the day, you put your feet up. That's the image. Jesus completely Lord. Completely Lord. What an amazing image of victory this is. And the Pharisees don't like it. They didn't want to acknowledge Jesus' authority. But it's not just them. It's we, every single one of us, at some point in our life, in the past, present and in the future, will struggle with this. Of, of letting Jesus be the authority in our lives. Jesus being our Lord. It's, it's really tough. When things go crazy, we want to take control again, don't we? That's, oh no, I, I don't know if he's going to come through. Let me just deal with this. Well, I don't trust him in that area. Let me deal with that. But, but no, Jesus needs to be Lord. And that phrase, Jesus Lord, you would have all heard that phrase. If you're a disciple, you would have said it at least once yeah. at your baptism, right? Amen. Prayerfully a lot more. Um, it's an easy phrase to say, but it has a whole lot of meaning, doesn't it? Sometimes it's maybe a little too easy to say. And again, I think when, when crunch time comes, when, when the rubber meets the road, do we really grasp what that statement means? I know so often I can just say it and, and at a baptism I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that's great, but sometimes I can forget what does this really mean. I can, I can forget the significance. That Jesus Lord is this idea of give it up to Jesus, give all of it up to Jesus. Give back to God what is God's. Again, it's not just a nice religious phrase, but I'm surrendering everything. Not out of duty, but out of overwhelming amazement and awe of our Saviour. This is my Lord. I'm with Him. We're with Him. He redeemed me. and so My life isn't just my own. I, no, I'm going to give it all to Him. And if you're in the moment, if you're struggling with this, that's okay. Everyone is in that situation, but, but it can start getting so confusing and clouded and we think, no, this doesn't feel right. It feels like maybe Jesus is trying to control me. I just, I, I, I plead with you. I, don't let that thought linger too long. Go to God's Word. Let His Word reorient you. Go to God in prayer. Chat to some brothers and sisters who will spiritually point you in the right direction. Because that, that can be a dangerous place to be. But Jesus does need to be Lord. And when we and you know that when you really feel like you've let that happen in your life, the peace that comes from that. The peace that comes from that. So Jesus wants to be Lord of all. Again, it's he wants to be a part of every decision we make. There's gonna be the thought of oh, I go to church, I read my Bible, I bring my kids to church. Isn't that kind of enough, right? I've heard people say that's enough. We've got to go back to God's word and say, no, Jesus, 
give back to God what is God's. Jesus wants to be Lord of all. And again, church, we're going to have an infinite number of decisions to make in life. And with every decision, we, we need to bring Jesus' lordship, that, this idea of giving back to God what is God's, into the discussion, into the decision-making. That, that if He is my Lord, what, what decision should I make? And again, it won't always be clear, but, but it probably will el- eliminate some options, I'm sure. Again, let, let's get back to this idea. Let Jesus reclaim His throne in our lives. Let's honour Him, not, not becoming religious hypocrites, which it can so easily be. I didn't even know in my life, even going to this conference was so helpful to um, the, the leadership conference. Generally, the leadership conferences I've been to, it's just like all lessons on leading, but there were lots of lessons on like purity of the heart, personal, like, like sexual purity and things like that. And I was just like convicted. I was like, man, I just, I just feel like I haven't, I've sort of let it slide a little bit, the, the intensity of, of purity in our lives and in my life and it was just a very convicting moment and it was because it can be so easy we, we do a lot of things and we can start to get more focused on the doing than, than the being than the letting Jesus be Lord of our hearts Let, let's get back to that and let the rest flow on from there and, and again when, when we get into that mode of, of arguing and nitpicking different things in the Bible of do I really have to does Jesus need to be Lord we, we're just going down the wrong track we need to get, get away from that and, and, and just get to, okay, well, what does Jesus want me to do? I think we can and focus on, I don't think he wants, not that, not that. What does he want me to do? There is something there. And again, don't forget the debt that he has wiped out of our lives. Let's show that we get that in the decisions we make, in the jobs you take, in the, the person that you might date or marry, where you, where you decide to live who you decide to live with, what university you want to go to, give those things back to God. Let Him be in that decision-making process. And, and I think, how, how can you tell if, if uh, you've given a decision to Jesus? Um, I think it's, it's just simply ask yourself, okay, why am I making the decision I'm making? What factors are, are helping me make this decision? What made me choose this job or this university? And, and I think, I, I know for myself as well, it can easily be the, the list is long of the reasons and God can sometimes be right down near the bottom there. Maybe not even on the list and then we realise, oh, I better add him on there at the very end. I pray to God and it seems like it's his will. Amen. But, but no, God should kind of be at the top there. How will this help me? Spirit, how, how will this, I be able to help others? Whatever it may be, bring God into the decision-making process. And I think, what are some things that can stop us from, from, letting, from giving back to God what is God's? Um, what stops us from, being, from Jesus being Lord? Um, is I think one of them is, is just stubbornness and pride. And we see that kind of here, that, that throughout sort of all the different accounts, even what Tozen preached on last time, that... Jesus kind of always has the answer and yet these religious leaders kind of, they, they, they even sort of acknowledge it a little bit. In, uh, let's see, in verse 39, well said teacher. Yep, you're right. 26, astonished by his answer. They become silent. It's that moment of like, he's kind of right. And yet, they, nothing happens from there. And I, and I know for myself, it can be like that. You read the Bible, oh man, 
but and the excuses pop up and the reasons why not and and we get convicted by God's word but it doesn't change anything it doesn't let Jesus get back on the throne again this is kind of scary that 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 these guys could could see this and yet not change from it and we just need to make it a valid I'm I'm not going to let that be me and I, I want if other people see that in me I want them to be able to share that I want them to be able to share that. I, want to, I don't want them to feel like they can't. I want them to be able to share because these guys obviously didn't see it. And, and we sometimes don't see it either. We, we need each other in this fight. Come on, man. We need each other. Again, I think this idea of, of, um, of our feelings, emotions, pride, that stops us from, from truly giving back to God what is God's. That's a scary place to be. Let's not be there. Let's run from that. And, and secondly, the, the second sort of thing that I, I think can stop us from letting Jesus be Lord is, is it's all about self. And it's kind of what Ricky and Mandy were sharing in the communion that we come here, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's, it's not about self. It's, it's about God, the person we worship. And it's, it's interesting because in verse 45 to 47, it actually says, you know, while all the people... Yeah, so in verse sorry, 46 it says, they like to walk, so it's all about the religious leaders, they like to walk around in flowing robes, love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues. And the places of honour of banquets, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. And, and he, he goes on and, and he actually says, I don't think I've got it there, have I? No. He says uh, in verse 47, um, at the end he says, these men will be punished most severely. It's kind of that, whoa, like, okay, I, I get it, this is bad, but, but what about like murder and, and rape? Like, and, and amen, those things will be punished severely as well, but, but he's saying there's something about this that, that, that's worse because it's so subtle. It's contagious. And what, what are all these things? The root, they're all about self, aren't they? These guys, they love to... In flowing robes. Apparently that was a popular fashion choice back then. Um, <laughs> love to be greeted with respect. and Oh, hey, Rabbi Farrett, looks so good to see you. And, and if they didn't, they'd be offended and, and, and leave the marketplace and sulk and, until someone did come up. And, and then they said, and they want to have the most important seats. And that's why our front row is always empty because we have <laughs> such a great... Uh, no, it's, we need people sitting in the front row. It's just weird otherwise. But, um, and then it says they... <coughs> Uh, places of the banquet and then it says they devour widows' houses. This idea of, and, and there's a lot of debate about exactly what this means, but most likely uh, it's this idea of they, they go into vulnerable widows and offer help and instead take the rest of what they have. Maybe even, even in the name of God. Take what they have. And, and he says that, that's all about self. And you guys, they were meant to be a, a light to the world and they were the exact opposite. And so that's why Jesus is so intense about this. And, and I think it can be so easy for, for all of us. And especially when you get the chance to come up the front and you preach or you give a communion, it can be easy. Oh, people come on up and saying, well done. Oh, they didn't as much as I wanted. And, and you start, wait, whoa, 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 who am I doing this for? Yeah. Yeah. Myself or, or for God? To, to help others. And so let's, let's check our hearts that, that we don't let self jump on the throne, but let Jesus jump on the throne. Again, this idea of, of it's all about me is kind of, it's a very like feelings and emotional thing as well. And I've got a little bit of a video to show that I think will hopefully illustrate this.
Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introduce Virtual Reality Church. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Select the introvert experience. Welcome to the time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you that you still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you pick one skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. If the sermon you choose the amount of conviction you'd like, and we'll select the pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics, and you'll never have to attend a vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Is being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forward for prayer? Well, if you select the Pentecostal service, always stand in front of the mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church. The future of church attendance. <laughs> It's a funny, funny thing. Hope that you, it, he's a great uh, comedian and he's a, a Christian comedian. And, but it's obviously ridiculous, but it kind of paints that picture, doesn't it? Where it can so often become all about us. And well, this is what I want. And, and amen, let's share what, what we want. But, but Jesus is Lord. Je- Jesus is Lord. But today's culture tells us, no, no, it is all about you. Whatever you want, Whatever you want to go after, if you don't want it, don't go after it. Don't worry about it. If you don't get your way, stomp your feet, raise your voice, and and until someone listens, and it, it's it's just it doesn't really fit in with with this attitude of of Jesus is Lord of our lives. That that I, I'm I'm just giving back to Jesus. What is Jesus? It's not about me. And so the passage ends with. With remarkable timing, doesn't it? Just as he even says that, that and you, you devour widows. He looks up. God's timing, right? And there's these people putting lots of money in, and then there is this widow who comes in with two small copper coins. I, I can't remember exactly how much it's worth. Barely anything. It's all she has. And she goes and she actually gives it to the very temple institution that has most likely robbed her of her, her remaining things. You think, wow, what a heart this woman has. wasn't about the amount. It was about the heart that she had. She was giving it all back to God and probably to a bit of a corrupt institution as well. But, but for her it was, well, they do with what they want. I'm giving it to God. This is God's anyway, so I, 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 he'll, he'll intercede. He already is with Jesus right now, right? And I'm going to give back to God what is God's. It's a, it's a convicting way to end. And I just love the contrast of, of self is Lord with the Pharisees, religious leaders, versus God clearly being Lord of this widow's life. What an example for us to end with. Again, it, it wasn't about the amount, it was about the heart. God doesn't just want our actions and our attendance. He wants our heart. He wants our all.
And I want to encourage you, get self off the throne. Let Jesus jump back on. And again, as, as we close out, as we take communion, I also just want to leave you with a little bit of a charge. Are you ready to give back God what is God's? This week, with some decisions that you have to make, maybe there's some decisions you see coming up. Factor, does, is God in the factor of the decision making? Let him be. With whatever it is, don't, don't keep these decisions to yourself. Give them back to God. Let him direct your steps. Whatever it is for you, go to God. And as we take the communion, church, let's, let's give it up for Jesus, right? What an amazing God we worship. What an amazing saviour we have. And, and no better time to realise that than, than communion. As we reflect on what he's done on the cross. He is the best. He is unstoppable, victorious, and he is our God. We're with him. Let's never forget that. And, and from that, let's give it all up to Jesus. Let's let him have all our lives. What an amazing Lord we have and what an amazing sacrifice he did. Let's be blown away by God's mercy as we reflect and pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, you are a such an amazing God. So often it can be easy to read the scriptures and in the busyness of life to, to not dwell on them, to, to read and, and we sometimes don't pick up some of the stuff that's going on and, and I know it's so, so helpful for my heart to, to really reflect on, on these interactions of Jesus and even just to picture what it would be like to be there and, and see Jesus just this unstoppable saviour. And yet, yet he chose to sacrifice himself on the cross. Any moment being able to get out, yet he chose that. And I thank you so much that you, you, you sent your son to do that, God. I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray you can, you can help soften our hearts, help us to fall in love with Jesus, to fall in love again, to fall in love with, for the first time, whatever it may be, to, to fall in love with Jesus, to, to give it up for him in praise, in worship, as we, as we carry on with our worship songs, Lord, I pray that, that we sing with, with a louder voices, but not just louder voices, but with deeper conviction. As we not only sing some words, but we reflect on the words we sing. Lord, help us to, to lift our voices up to you in worship, God, and, and help us to, to be grateful for the sacrifice you made, the debt you wiped out, God. Lord, I thank you so much for this church family, for the hearts in this room, to, to want to help each other, that no matter how tough it gets, we... We point each other back to you, God. And I just thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.